0: Here we go. (laughs) Like Groundhog Day. (laughs) Hey, it's Lee Bergstein and Cooper Knowlton. We're here with another episode of Closed, Talking All Things Real Estate in New York City and the surrounding areas. Super excited to have Andy Grover here with us today. Andy is the co-founder and chief development officer at TEND. Tend is a full-service dentistry company started in 2019, which employs technology and innovation to give uh, its clients the best in, in dental care and dental services. Andy, thanks for joining us here today.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: So, uh, you know, I, I, I we've tried this a couple of times of me explaining what Tend does and what it is, and I think I've butchered it on every occasion. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the company, you um, I was really excited to read about it and I'd love to hear from your uh, own words what what you do.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, so we sort of like to call Ten the first dentist that you'll actually look forward to. Uh, we started TEND um, in 2019. We launched in in the Flatiron and have subsequently added uh, 20 locations. So we're at 21, soon to be 22 uh, here uh, in another month or so, um, all across the East Coast, New York, DC, Boston. We have Atlanta and are adding Nashville this year as well. So um, we put this we, we like to talk about putting the patient at the center of the experience uh, when we started thinking about tend we really looked at the dental industry uh, number one is a great as a great industry right it's a it's a really good business um, but it's a business that really hasn't evolved in ever <laughs> from a patient from a patient experience standpoint going to the dentist in 2022 feels like going to the dentist in 2002, 1992. Eighty-two. I wasn't around in seventy-two, but I understand it was pretty much the same. Uh, the the equipment's gotten better, uh, and the dentists wear gloves now. And uh, you know they they continue to be you know the best and and pushing forward on dentistry. But really, the patient experience hasn't changed. Uh, you call the. Dentist office, you come and it sort of often will look and smell like something from a long time ago, maybe some old highlights magazines. Uh, Sometimes somebody who doesn't look like they're very happy to be there sitting behind a desk, sometimes behind glass. Uh, Stop me when you've uh, experienced something like this. Uh, But in general, that's kind of what it's like to go to the dentist for most people. And we said, you know, what if we put the patient's experience and the patient's expectations at the center of that experience and built a company around that. Um, And that's 10. And so we, we certainly, we certainly have done that. We've done that as well, kind of creating uh, an ecosystem for our clinicians as well, that is uh, differentiated and better we think than what's out there. Um, But the patient experience is really kind of what relates to what we'll talk about today, which is how we start to make some of these real estate decisions on where and how we grow.
0: I will say that I was going to the same dentist from from like four years old until 22 in, in – I think it was in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. And um, it felt more like it was from the 50s than the 70s. And I remember when I watched the show Lost – I don't know if you watched that show. <laughs> but the Dharma Initiative had like their their um, their experimental tools that were from uh-huh. – like, they looked like they were from the 50s. and. I went to my dentist, you know, when I was 21, 22 and losses on the air. And I'm like, oh man, this looks like a drama <laughs> initiative. Examination yeah. room. I need to find a new dentist. <laughs> yeah,
1: not far off. Not far off, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's talk about some of the real estate uh, um, and, you know, kind of why we're having you on. Obviously in New York City, you just, just by walking around, if you have no experience in the industry at all, you could see that retail stores are closed up. Uh, you know, it's not back anywhere close to back to where it was pre-COVID. You know, office space is coming back, obviously, but retail's lagging behind. And there's a movement right now to convert retail to different types of uses. And I know Tend has very successfully uh, adapted retail space and converted it to, to offices, and that we, that's what we want to talk to you about today. Sure. Um, so, you know, tell us how you developed that uh, that strategy as part of your your expansion model, as part of your growth model.
1: Yeah, um, by, you know, quick little bit of introduction, before before TEND, I was the head of real estate and development for a company called One Medical, uh, that's a primary care group uh, across the country now. Uh, I, helps, I I got there when they were about 25 and scaled them to 90 um, before we started TEND, and they were one of sort of the first innovators around this kind of healthcare services at retail. Healthcare services have been kind of at retail for a while, but they have typically been in you know, not great retail, frankly, uh, not really kind of retail corridors that you think of as, um, not maybe not quite high street retail, but, you know, daily needs in places like Flatiron and the Upper West Side and Chelsea and Cobble Hill, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so we sort of, we, we, we executed on that, on that, um, strategy there. And I learned a ton and it was an incredible experience and really uh, took a lot of those learnings and and started to apply it in the dental space. And so when we talk about building a uh, a company around a great patient experience, part of that is uh, convenience. And so we sort of fundamentally don't think it should take three hours out of the middle of your day to go to the dentist, right? It should take about an hour. And in fact, it can, and if you locate them where people are already living and working, <laughs> instead of a medical office building uh, somewhere out of the way or on the fifty-third floor of some building, um, it can be a convenient it can be it can be a convenient place for people to go. Uh, so that was sort of top of the list. Uh, two, we're able to control the patient experience. Um, sort of from start to finish. So we're able to control the patient experience uh, and and uh, influence the patient experience from the first moment you see Tend uh, to walking through the doors, to designing the space, to getting your dental care taken care of, to leaving, etc. And so um, part of the reason we've also chosen retail is you really have full control over what that patient experience is. And again, patient experience is really important to us. Um, and then three, three, branding and, and awareness. Um, you know, we, we look at these, one of the things I think we have done that's pretty, pretty innovative specifically in the dental world is creating spaces that look and feel, um, welcoming and modern and I'll even go so far as to say beautiful. Uh, and we really kind of strive for a, a calming, soothing atmosphere. Um, And we're proud of them and we're very happy to put them on display. And it becomes part of the brand, right? Where the patient experience, the four walls becomes part of the brand uh, in the same way that retailers use their real estate to help drive, you know, uh, customer experience and create a brand. And so kind of taking that retail mentality, retail playbook and applying it to healthcare services and specifically in dental um, is kind of how we got to, you know, Looking at retail as as our number one choice for for how we want how and where we want to locate these offices, I,
0: I guess part of the reason why dental offices are typically like in the big it's not the only reason but one of the reasons in the big medical buildings or on the fifty third floor is they're kind of hidden away right because you don't patients don't want to see inside a dentist's office so to to have them on the street uh, it's not the most inviting. Typically, it's not the most inviting atmosphere of all time. So I guess that's part of what you're going for here, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And we were able to do a lot of things that kind of your typical mom and pop just aren't able to do. The, the founding team comes from very different kind of backgrounds, um, that doesn't include, you know, learning how to be a dentist in a 1950s office in Bay Ridge. Uh, we kind of come out of very different parts of the economy and kind of come together to create this hospitality experience and patient driven experience. Uh, so we came at it from different angles than a traditional dentist would. We've also been really lucky that the, uh, VC community has been super excited about what we're doing and we've had kind of the runway to do some of this, uh, exploratory stuff with brand and patient experience. And we are able to build these spaces um, in a way that kind of your mom and pop dentist just can't uh, or, or or wouldn't have the background necessarily um, in general to, to kind of think like that. And so it's a, a different set of eyes on a problem of kind of a poor patient experience. So, you know, the old adage around, uh, you just keep doing the same thing, right? That's the definition of insanity. Uh, so you have to have new eyes and we kind of brought a fresh set of eyes to this experience, recreated it, and then, um, built a four wall experience around it. And so with that, part of that is that they're really appealing and they're beautiful places and that they can feel like a showpiece for a landlord. Um, I've been kind of beating, which kind of gets us, I think, to another topic around just how landlords work with this. Um, but for a long time, and still today, uh, but a lot of landlords don't get super excited about healthcare services on their street level retail, right? I think real estate is as much as we like to call it a business, it's emotional. <laughs> and I think it can be emotional for the biggest REIT, the, the asset manager, the biggest REIT managing the crown jewel of, you know, a multi-billion dollar company as emotional as it can be for, you know, a mom and pop landlord who maybe inherited the building and really means a, a lot to the family and what's going to be in there is very important. And a dentist office usually doesn't <laughs> like come to the top of the mind uh, when you start to think about that. Uh, so that's that has been a uh, a hurdle that we've had to get over. And part of what we're able to do with that is say, "Hey, look, it doesn't look like a dentist office. I know what you think a dentist office looks like, uh, but we do we do something very different, and it's going to be something you're proud of, uh, and something that will candidly add value to your asset."
2: So. I don't want to, I don't want to get into trade secrets here, but I I read in an article that uh, it it said that when you're thinking about locations, you're, you're considering things like foot traffic and demographics of the neighborhood and transportation options. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Is that something that, that like, is there kind of a formula that you guys have have devised where you, where you sort of weigh different things differently? Do you do that internally? Is that working with brokers and consultants and, Um, you know, how does that, how does that conversation happen when you're, when you're thinking about opening up a a new location? What's that, what's that conversation
0: look like? So basically give us your trade, your trade secrets. I was (laughs) going to
1: say, I was going to (laughs) say yes to all of the above, uh, without giving you you the recipe for the formula you use and exactly, (laughs) uh, without giving you the recipe to Heinz 57, uh, yeah i think it's yes to all of the above and it really goes to kind of real estate particularly retail site selection is uh part art part science it's becoming a lot more science uh than it has been in the past and we certainly use kind of every tool available to us to think about that and yes we weight different things differently um we have an awesome brokerage team uh we have office awesome brokerage teams in all of our markets um so obviously kind of their local knowledge is really important Frankly, I've been doing this for a long time and have placed a lot of healthcare services and a lot of retail. And so there's a, an expertise that I bring to the table as well, me and my team. Um, but yeah, we demographics and Uber data and like, you know, competition, we have a bunch of yeah, all of that really plays into how we think about uh, where to locate. Um, and, you know, candidly, we're still learning. So, We've got 11 locations in New York City. We're the largest dental practice in New York City, which is kind of crazy since we were just we were just founded kind of right before the pandemic uh, in 2019. Um, but we're still learning, right? We're still learning who our patients are. We're still learning what they like. We still are we're, we're we're constantly iterating in our model around you know what's going to be you know why does one location maybe have a faster ramp than another location? Or why does one location have a set of patient services that another location might not have? So, um, or might be more important. So it's, it's, it's constantly iterative, iterative, but yeah, we, we kind of use all of all of all of the tools you mentioned and you
2: said you said it's becoming more science but i do imagine just you know i'm thinking thinking through it in my head that you may you know there there may be certain times where the space is great and you sacrifice certain you know it, yes it, it might not have the the foot traffic that you would normally want but the space is so great that you you think all right we can we can sort of sacrifice this here because this yep. is this trumps yeah. this having those certainly companies.
1: vice versa certainly vice versa maybe the foot, traf is fan- foot traffic is fantastic and we're not able to, particularly in New York and and places like New York, San Francisco, sort of old line cities where the spaces maybe aren't large enough. We wish that we could squeeze out, you know, another 500 square feet out of a space, but it's not an incredible corner or on an incredible block. And and we want to be there. So we have definitely had to make those trade-offs for sure.
0: And, and I... And I... You know, to that point, I'd imagine you're still building the brand, right? So it's important to have locations at certain places in New York City, kind of irrespective of some of the other factors. That's right. Um, I-, I wanted to ask about New York City in particular. You know, what are some of the what are some of the New York? Because we're a New York podcast for the most part, even though we don't discriminate right. against other cities, but we, we are a New York based podcast. Um, what are some of the New York City? Specific market considerations when you're thinking about where I, I think I just mentioned one of them, but when when thinking about you know where to go or what type of space you're looking to source, uh, how does that differ from the other markets that you're in right now?
1: Yeah, one thing that's been really interesting. Especially these last two years, right? And again, not to kind of continue to bring us back to this patient experience, but this is really kind of what anchors a lot of our thinking uh, and convenience. And when you think about convenience, you really think a lot about daytime population. Uh, So what is the daytime population of XYZ neighborhood? And New York City, particularly pre-pandemic, had pretty big swings, right? Uh, you know, financial district goes way up and then goes way down and vice versa in maybe on the Upper West Side goes way down and then comes up on the weekends. And, you know, how the pandemic will COVID will ultimately affect real estate is another podcast and one that I'd be happy to listen to. Uh, And, but I do think one of the things that has certainly affected our site selection strategy, and I think will be in the go forward is those spikes have really kind of leveled out a little bit. So do I think nobody's ever going to go back to the office? I do not think that. I think people are coming back to the office. It might not be as fast as some of us want, but um, do I think we're ever going to get back to where we were? I don't know. I don't know. So what that means is people are in residential neighborhoods kind of five days a week in a way they might not have been three years ago. Uh, It doesn't mean you ignore the CBD and it doesn't mean that, you know, a place like Rockefeller Center is not a place that has a tremendous office population, even in a down, you know, even in a little bit of a down market. Um, But in New York City, we've really, you know, been thinking a lot about that, right? And how that how kind of pandemic has flattened those spikes, and where we want to concentrate. So for instance, um, our Park Slope office in Brooklyn on Atlantic, on Atlantic Avenue has like, crushed our expectations. It's been fantastic. It's been a great office. It opened end of last year. We've got an, a ton of awesome new members there. And it's just really doing super well. And did I think it was going to do well? I sure did. Uh, three years ago, what I have thought it has, was doing as well as it did is doing today, I wouldn't have, right? And I think that's because it's surrounded by a lot of high rise that with people's work, people working from home, Renters who are maybe new to the city who, you know, need a dentist, etc. And it's also really well located on, um, on transportation lines. So I think how we're living in the city, like as a New Yorker, how we're living and interacting with the city has changed maybe not changed completely, but like from a five day a week standpoint, you're probably not had, you probably don't have the same rituals you had for five days a week that you had three years ago. And we need to be flexible and thoughtful enough to like locate where you're going to be most of the time or more of the time. I, I want to sort of bring us back a little bit to the process
2: of actually like coming into a space and potentially thinking through the, the process of, of whether or not it's feasible to convert the space. Um, yep. I know I know you said that, you know, the, the model is kind of built around converting retail. Um, Is there, is there, are there specific types of retail um, that work better than, than others for conversion? Um, And, you know, in the same regard, are there like, what is the, is it, is it really all retail or could you walk into a restaurant and, and, you know, consider, consider converting something like that? Are there kind of parameters within the, within what you're willing to do?
1: I, uh, it's, it's probably not a very uh, uh, interesting answer, but it kind of comes down to money. <laughs> so uh, one thing that's really expensive to convert from a restaurant into something else is, is a restaurant. Like restaurants are very, once you, once you uh, invest the money in the black iron and turn it into a restaurant space, it's very expensive to turn it back from that or an old bank with a huge vault the most expensive thing you can ever pull out is, you know, a vault from a hundred years ago. Um, So it kind of does come down to cost. And so what are kind of the cleanest boxes? So retail's great, right? Retail doesn't have a tremendous amount of infrastructure. Uh, It usually has existing HVAC and kind of enough amperage for us to do what we need to do. So retail's great. We've taken old restaurants. Uh, Again, they're expensive. Um, We've taken we took our, our very first location uh, is in the Flatiron District, and, um, which is one of the districts kind of in New York that, that we knew that it was important to be in right now. Um, and it was, a, it was a family. It's a, it's a children's book publisher. Uh, the family owns the building, and they publish children's books out of it. Um, and the, the first floor had never been used for anything. <laughs> like it was just basically an office, and so we kind of took this really truly raw space that had never been retail uh, and turned it into this this dentist office, and it was our first location. Um, so we can kind of go anywhere, you know, not to be too Pollyanna about it, uh, as it just sort of depends on uh, what the infrastructure is um, and kind of what has to be taken out for us to kind of white box it. Once you get to white box, we can kind of take it from there.
0: Can you just admit that that was the highlights corporate office that you're talking about? It right? was not.
1: It was not. I wish it was. But there was <laughs> a super, super juicy Vanity Fair article about that family last month. It was great, great. Not in Soho. I wish. No. Are, are
2: there are there specific, do do you get into the realm of having to worry about um, certain zoning laws or, or building codes? Or is that is that so, come up?
1: You know, I'll tell you what, like, this is going to surprise, I think, all three of us. New York is probably one of the easiest places for us to do business and to do what we do from a real estate standpoint. Um, I'm kind of on, I'll constantly surprised, like, do I wish the, you know, BOD moved faster? Yes. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's not that because we have this mixed use zoning thing, that's just kind of really everywhere. Um, we can we can go as of right in most office uses and the overlay kind of with retail like we can kind of it's not it's not as bad as you would think it is there are a lot so um california is much harder about that actually california is really hard to do some of this stuff where you're trying to do healthcare at you know something that was zoned something else is is takes a long time um and can be you know a whole change of use process i i have not had to do that in new york um surprisingly not that bad if especially if you have once you have kind of your expediter team you have architects you trust you know it, it, you they really just kind of shepherd the whole permitting process um but from a use standpoint not really honestly like we're we're very lucky that way here it's a it's a good it's a good it's a good market for that
0: yeah i would imagine that you have to change the use group sometimes but that's a relatively straightforward process
1: yeah. You know, like the the thing I think about with New York and we're active in a lot of markets and I've, I've built healthcare at retail and, and lots and lots of places at this point. Um, New York wants to do business. <laughs> like in general, New York and New Yorkers and landlords generally want to transact. And so, you know, again, do I wish the city moved faster? Sure. Do I wish the permitting team? Yes. Always, always could be faster, always could be better. But if you're reasonable and you're kind of thoughtful and you kind of cross your t's and and dot your i's it's really it's been for us not not bad the real the real the really tough part in new york is cost is and frankly it's like construction costs now like that that is it's less about zoning it's less about use it's like it's really less about that it's really can we make this pencil at the construction costs and you know raw 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 material and labor costs that we're faced with in new york like that's that's the much bigger issue for us than zoning
0: so you know i don't i don't recall if we talked about this in our pre-chat Andy, or we talked about at the beginning of this of this episode but um you know you mentioned that you have uh, a great team and i i know from speaking earlier that um this is kind of your strategy from the jump right to yeah. to pursue retail space and convert it to, to medical space yeah. was that something that um, you had to explain to to the broker team did they get it right away and then i guess uh, of more interest to me at least initially was there a pushback from landlords where landlords like we can't do this we don't know you know retails retail office is office medical is medical uh, you know what, what was your experience like with that
1: yeah great question um, and it's really been a lot of what i've worked on and dealt with for last decade at this point, sort of pretend at one medical and and, and into 10. Yes to the landlords, the brokers, frankly, we work with an awesome team at CBRE and they they got it from the jump and they were excited and like, no problem, like super on board, really excited um, and have been phenomenal for us. Uh, The landlords have been a little bit different of an issue. I can tell you, I have now kind of a decade kind of um, perspective on this. It's gotten a heck of a lot better. 10 years ago, it was really a nightmare and they really, it was a real like does not compute kind of thing. Um, now it's gotten easier. Um, I think partly because of what's happened in just the retail sector generally, I think they're a lot more willing to listen, uh, when they, their neighbors, their neighbors across the street, et cetera, have vacancy. Um, I think they're a lot more willing to be creative. Um, I actually find New York landlords Really broad strokes, New York and D.C. as having pretty progressively thoughtful landlords. Right, they they see what's happening like the rest of the world, and they want to make sure their business, their their buildings stay full and paying rent forever. And you know, they they've actually been you know certainly the landlords we've worked with been been great partners. But you know, it's not easy. It's not a natural fit, and you definitely have to. A lot more explaining than if you came in and you know you were selling the next Rolex or the next whatever. Uh, that makes a lot of sense for people, uh, and it's it definitely takes uh, it definitely takes a lot more explaining than if we were doing something else. But I will say, kind of our hit rate and just the experience of landlords seeing it (laughs) in the city, I think has, has made them much more open to it than they were definitely 10 years ago. I would say even more than three or five years ago, uh, here in the city. So it's, it's, and then once you have one open, then it's really easy because they can walk and touch and feel and, and, and smell it and it feels great and they're excited about it. Uh, so the first one in any city is always the hardest in any city.
2: Is there, is there any element where you, you guys have sort of felt like you're, there's, there's almost like a, you're a victim of your own success that now, now you're sort of identifying these spaces that, that other medical providers weren't looking at. And now, now there's five other medical providers that are potentially interested in these same spaces that they never would have looked at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do get to be a little bit of a victim of your own success for sure. Um, good problem to have, of course. Um, but, you know, I think the Flatiron neighborhood in New York is an kind of the perfect example of this. It's really become this little kind of ecosystem, particularly in healthcare services, of all these different kinds of healthcare services um, from Kind Body and Modern Age and Tend and, you know, a bunch of other ones uh, have all kind of planted their flags, you know, We can talk about the theory of agglomeration and a whole bunch of other stuff, Uh, but we've all kind of clustered in the same place. And, um, you know, there's definitely competition the way there wasn't a decade ago there, but it's also really fun, I think, to walk around and see all of the really rad innovation happening in healthcare that is although a sixth of our economy uh, and can be really innovative in parts of the industry is not generally very innovative when it comes to just kind of the patient experience of a normal patient. So it's really fun to, to see, but yeah, we definitely have competition. And now uh, the veterinary space is like hot, hot, hot. So we've also got uh, healthcare services for our pets um, that we all adopted during the pandemic. Uh, so they're also growing like crazy for around us. the city. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see the landscape yeah. changing for sure.
2: I've got, I've got one more question. Um, Lee, you might sure. have a few more, but uh, have there in, in the process of sort of being in this space, I just out of curiosity, I wonder if there's other, businesses that you have seen that have kind of taken a, a similar innovative approach, not necessarily in the healthcare space, but have you seen other people in the hospitality space or any, anything that jumps out to you? I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot here, but just curious if there's other kind of interesting people doing doing interesting things that, that kind of you guys think about or... or um, have seen just in just in being
1: in, in the space for the last few years? Yeah, I think there's a bunch of cool stuff happening, honestly. Like we all kind of, and I'm a real estate nerd from from the jump um, and particularly New York real estate nerd. So spend my weekends walking around looking at retail and wondering what's going to happen. Uh, but, you know, concepts like camp on Fifth Avenue, if you've been in uh, camp at all in, in Flatiron, it's like a kid's, this really interesting looking kids toy store and kind of coffee shop and then you go through a secret door and there's like a whole magic world back there <laughs> and it's super interesting and they've gotten some fun traction and they're in different places in the country and sounds like they're having a partnership with Disney. So, you know, you've got that, you've got some really interesting stuff happening um, with places like kind body and like women's fertility. Would I have ever thought like women's fertility would be taking prime resale retail real estate on lower fifth Avenue five years ago? No, absolutely not. Um, So I think you're starting to see, really, I think it's just really cool to see these kinds of, these kinds of uses that were kind of relegated to other parts of the city and other kinds of real estate, be it in hospitals or medical office buildings or what have you really coming to, to, to retail and saying, Hey, we can think about a brand experience and we can think about something, um, that will, improve the patient experience but also really be a part of the brand and really be part of the recognizable thing that is tend yeah where it's, it's pretty fun yeah
0: it's it comes down to, to businesses reimagining rethinking what they can be it doesn't have to be just because we're in this industry and this industry' has operated this way for the last century we have to operate this way for the next century we can we can rethink that it sounds like tend is at the at the uh, front line with respect to that
1: yeah, we hope so. And I really, you know, I talk and think a lot about um, kind of this idea of consumer expectations. Uh, and the word "consumer" in a healthcare context is can be uh, provocative. We'll kind of take the provocative part out, but the the part that I think is really interesting is, you know, the expectations we just bring with our, with us in the rest of our life. If we're buying a phone or a car or a shirt or whatever, whatever, however you're behaving like a consumer, and Retailers have gotten this for a really long time. (laughs) The, the, The experience has to be good. The people have to be friendly. The product has to be one that you're kind of raving about. And when you start the services companies from the jump, we don't have the overhang of a hospital system. We don't have the overhang of all this other stuff that kind of sometimes prevents innovation. We can just really... Do it differently. We can say, what if, (laughs) what, what would it take to have somebody look forward to the dentist? Well, (laughs) that's, that can be either a high bar uh, or a low bar because, you know, most people don't. So if we, if we can, if we can provide a better experience uh, with, you know, an interesting space, we, we feel like we're pretty far ahead of the game.
0: I just had one more question, which is, you might've touched on some of it already, but um you know, I think a lot of the a lot of uh, people who'll be listening to us are are in the real real estate space in New York or they have small businesses. so for other businesses that are thinking that are thinking about unorthodox approach or i don't want to call it unorthodox, a different approach to where they're going to pursue their next location, whether it's an office or a retail location or medical what are what's some advice that you can give if they're doing you know if they're approaching this for the first time, both from a um, how to approach it, how to find the right location to, um, you know, what are the challenges that I can expect to face from like a design and construction perspective if I'm, if I'm moving into a space that's not necessarily outfitted for my business use?
1: Uh, expect it to take longer and cost more. <laughs> 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 about that. Uh, at least your first one. At
0: least your first on t- one on, on time and on budget is not going. Yeah. not going to happen. It, it, we, it, we've gotten
1: there gratefully. We're there now, but like I, I won't say our first one was as uh, as efficient as we are now. Certainly, um, I think you think about you know who it is you're trying to serve, right? What are you trying to do? So if you're a co-working space focused on dads in Brooklyn right? Like, well, what are those dads like? Where do they like to be? (laughs) Right? Exactly. Uh, how do you, how do you think about the people you're trying to serve? And I think you can think about that in, in a hundred different kinds of services and a hundred different kinds of office uh, offerings. Um, where do they, where, where do they like to be? And then what is that kind of lived experience of them interacting with you, you and your brand? Um, And that kind of leads you to a lot of the direction in terms of real estate. And then from there, it goes into, we did a lot of work um, and have, I've been able to do a lot of this over the last, call it 10 years of my career, which has been really fun on uh, customer experience. So like really get into the skin of your customer, into a skin of your patient, skin of your people. What are they feeling when they walk through the door? What do they see? How does it smell? What does it feel like? where do you, where do you want to spend the money to, you know, you can't spend the money everywhere, spend the money where it counts, right? What are the things they're going to remember and think of when they think of your brand? Um, so it really gets to, there's a real kind of human part of this that I think is really, is kind of the part that is really, really exciting to me and kind of getting into the head and the body of the people, um, you're serving and you're trying to, you know, acquire as customers and then building that space around it and then have a great team, right? It's about, it's about your broker team. It's about thoughtful designers. It's about thoughtful architects. Um, and that's, you know, from, from, the, from there, you should, you should be able to get open.
2: lost them again.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, Shoot.
1: You're good. You're good. We can hear you. Can you start now. Thoughtful, okay. thoughtful,
0: thoughtful, thoughtful architects.
1: Thoughtful, architect, thoughtful architects and uh, a, a, you know, basically surround yourself by a, a, with a your good team. And of course, brilliant attorneys. You have to have really good uh, real estate attorneys uh, to, to get your leases where I'm sure you guys come in.
0: Awesome. Well, this uh, is a great conversation. If people want to learn more about Tend, um they want to read about you other than going to your website or you on social media where can they get some information Yeah
1: we're hello tend everywhere so hello tend at inst on Instagram uh hello on the website uh we're active on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook
0: Go hey. on Instagram and see some of those great new re- converted retail spaces I'm sure you have Absolutely. some great pictures on there
1: Yeah please please come and see us Andy hey, thanks, thanks so, much. so much it's great Thanks, guys. Take care.